Well, good morning, Genesis. Thank you. My name is Kyle. I serve as one of the pastors here and sincerely welcome. If you are new or newer, uh, we're glad you're here. Our heartbeat's pretty simple. We want to help all people walk with God. And we think the best way to do that is in the context of relationship, in the context of friendship. So hopefully in the moments you've had here, you've had the opportunity to get to know someone new and get to chit-chat with somebody, enjoy some worship. But uh, before you leave, uh, do not leave without being known or knowing somebody. It will change your life. Uh, Earlier this week, I got back after a long day of work. It was probably, I don't know, 12-day work, a 12-hour day, and I pull in home, walk in the house, and my wife, Lindsay, we have a seven-week-old baby, and so she is just totally zonked, so exhausted, and we just get little baby Nora down to sleep, and so we, we do what a couple should do. We said, we need to veg out and watch some Netflix. We just need to kind of decompress a little bit. Now, I don't know if you're like me and Lindsay, but if you were to witness us try to decide what show to watch on Netflix, you would think we were trying to split the atom. Like, this is the longest, hardest thing that we do as a couple. And so we start going through, and we have to watch every trailer and read every show description, and and so we start flipping through. And these are some of the shows that we get to choose from. Criminal Minds, Manhunt, The Killing, Luther, Witnesses, Longmire, Law and Order, Law and Order SVU, Blue Bloods, NYPD Blue. I said, Linz, any, any of those shows sound good to you? She's like, um, maybe. Like, we should maybe keep looking a little bit longer, though. Okay, fine, we can keep looking. So, Blacklist, Sherlock, Gotham, How to Get Away with Murder, Mindhunter, People vs. OJ, Luke Cage, The Flash, Bird Notice, Arrow, Babe. Just pick a show, hon. I'll watch anything. I'm just sick of looking. What do you want to watch? I got some in the maybe pile. We should, let's check Amazon Prime, and then we'll decide. <laughs> yeah, let's do that, hon. That sounds great. NCIS, NCIS LA, NCIS New Orleans, CSI, CSI Miami, CSI New York, CSI Cyber. Babe, you just got to pick one. It's been an hour. Nora's waking up in 20 minutes. Like, let's just get some time together. She's just flustered by all the options, choices. Kyle, just, oh, you, you just pick. I don't know if this is a guy thing or not. Took me less than two seconds to pick. Latest episode of Finding Sasquatch. <laughs> because it is both entertaining and educational. So win-win. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Of the shows I just went through, and that was just like 20 pulled from hundreds, they all have different details, but what's the same story that's being told over and over again? Justice. Judgment. It's good versus evil. It's right versus wrong. We are a people who love that storyline. It's every show on TV. It's every book written. It's every movie made. The question is why. Why are we so captivated by stories of justice? I would say the answer is this, because that's our story. All of us here today, we are living that story. Let me just ask you, when was the last time someone mistreated you or wronged you? Like maybe it was your boss, maybe it was your spouse, maybe it was a friend, boyfriend, girlfriend. When was the last time somebody wronged you? What was your immediate gut reaction? Anger, 
frustration. It was probably a, how dare they do that type of thing, right? Because we long for justice. We long for wrongs to be righted. We want a healthy dose of judgment, right? That's the same story that's told over and over again, and that's why we're attracted to it in all the media we consume. Here's the craziest part about it to me. This story is this story. The story of justice and judgment and good versus evil and right versus wrong, it is, originates in the Bible. And in the Bible, over and over again, it's told and retold. And the simplest way to think about the story is this. It is the story of war and worship. So if you have your Bibles today, open up to Exodus 17. Because Exodus 17, we're going to start in verse 8. We see this story told yet again. And certainly the details are going to be different. But this story is another story of war and worship, and we can find ourselves in it. So Exodus 17, we're going to start in verse 8, and we're going to pull this apart slowly so we can see this. So verse 8, let's go. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephdeim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow, I'll stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. All right, so let's pause for a second. So this is going to be a weird scene for you if you've been following along the book of Exodus so far. Because Amalek, he just shows up out of nowhere. And he shows up looking for a fight. He hasn't been in the story yet. So as we're reading this, we should be thinking, okay, who is this and why does he want to fight? Because Israel, they're not antagonizing Amalek. He's, they're not in, going against his land. Right? All we know is Israel's following this pillar of fire through the wilderness, and now Amalek wants a fight. And so as we're trying to be good students of the Bible, we should really be asking two questions, who and why. And to think about the who, the best way to think about Amalek is he's basically the cousin of Israel. So the Israelites, their father is Jacob. Amalek his father is Esau. And now Jacob and Esau, they're two brothers we read about in the book of Genesis. It's the first book of the Bible. And the Jacob and Esau dynamic, the best way to think of it is this is very dysfunctional, right? This is like Thor and Loki. This is Cain and Abel. They're constantly at war with each other. And the reason why Jacob and Esau, there's so much conflict is because God looked at Jacob and he said, Jacob, I am choosing you to build out the tribes of Israel with. And the reason why that's so antagonistic to Esau is because Esau is the firstborn. So conventional norms and culture and society would say, no, Esau gets the inheritance. But God looks at Jacob. He says, Jacob, through you, I'm going to deliver my promises. And this now starts this battle between Jacob and Esau. And you can actually track this conflict all throughout the Bible. And what happens is Jacob and his family line and his tribe, this becomes a representation of the kingdom of God. Esau, his line, the tribes that come from Esau, well, this is representation of the kingdom of man. And the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man are always in opposition to each other. And that's how we can answer the why. Why would Amalek come and fight Israel for no reason? Because the reason is, what's really going on in Exodus 17 is it's a broader story. 
The kingdom of God and the kingdom of man, they cannot coexist. They need to fight. And that's the story that we find ourselves in this morning. Amalek will always come and fight Israel. The kingdom of man will always try to pick a fight against the kingdom of God. For all of us here this morning, we are all in a war. We're trying to live in the kingdom of God, but Amalek keeps showing up and he wants to fight. Now, before I go any further, I just want to make something very clear. Uh, we are not dualists. Right? Christianity does not teach dualism. And what I mean by that is, it's not as if the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man are co-equal in power, and that one day in the future there's going to be this big battle where we're going to see who actually comes out on top. That's not what the Bible teaches. What the Bible does teach, though, is that there's a battle going on right now. And yes, the details are different. But it's the same story that we've been talking about this whole time. Good versus evil, right versus wrong. Kingdom of God versus kingdom of man. What does God want for you? What is man trying to define you by? That's the battle. Apostle Paul actually picks up on this. Apostle Paul is writing to a church in Ephesus in the New Testament. And Ephesus, this church, they're in the heart of the battle. They're fighting this war of kingdom of God versus kingdom of man. And this is what Paul says to remind them in Ephesians 6, verse 12. He says, listen, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not what you can see. That's not the real fight. He says, we wrestle against rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. What Paul is saying is that the war, it's bigger than the beatings and the persecution. He says, the war you're fighting is the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of man. Amalek versus Israel. That's why he shows up. That's the battle that Paul is in with Ephesus. It's the battle we're in today. So what does this battle look like for us? Well, kingdom of God says, live servant-hearted. Kingdom of man, live to be served. And now, we all agree that we should be a servant-hearted people. But the battle happens, the war is raged on when it's been a really long week. And you're really tired. And you have to come home and you have to serve your wife. You have to serve your husband. You have to serve your family. You have to show up on Sunday and serve at church. And then all of a sudden, battle. Man, should someone serve me? And grinding out like a dog all week. Don't I get some me time? Kingdom of God. Kingdom of God, life should be marked by humility. Kingdom of man, then go get yours. And again, humility, great ideal. No one disagrees with that. But the battle happens, the war rages on when in your pursuit of humility, well, someone steps on your back. Someone leapfrogs over you and gets the job you deserve, the credit you deserve, the promotion you deserve. And the battle fights. I'm not going to let that happen again. No, I'm going to go get mine now. Kingdom of God. Your life is marked by generosity. Kingdom of man. Buy more stuff for yourself. You deserve it. You've earned it. You should have something a little nicer. And again, the ideal of generosity no one disagrees with that. Nobody wants to be known as being greedy or cheap. But the war happens. The battle is fought. 
when you actually have to make a budget in order that you can give faithfully to a gospel ministry. Kingdom of God, marked by purity. Kingdom of man, just indulge, satisfy that desire, scratch that itch. We want to be known as people who are pure. Who wouldn't be? But the battle rages on, men. When it's 10 o'clock at night, you're angry, you're lonely, you're stressed, and that computer screen's calling your name. You're not wrestling against flesh and blood. That's the kingdom of man. Kingdom of God. We're going to be marked by grace. Kingdom of man. People deserve what they got coming to them. And again, we should be, want to be a gracious people. We want grace extended towards us. When the battle happens, the war rages when I have to forgive someone who's actually wronged me. Kingdom of God. The most important thing in your life is your relationship with God. That's where you get value. Kingdom of man. You get value in what other people think of you. What you can offer, what you can be for other people. Battle rages on. And you have to decide, what relationship will I prioritize? What will I invest in? Kingdom of God. Man, you are called to live for Christ. Kingdom of man. No, 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 no. It's all about you. I think we want to be people who pursue Christ-likeness. The battle rages on when you wake up in the morning, and I have to make conscious efforts to die to self in order to gain Christ. You are in a war right now. And if you're trying to live in the kingdom of God, Amalek's showing up and he wants to fight. The kingdom of man wants to take you down. And so let me just ask you, what war is being waged against you? Or let me ask it a little differently. What area in your life is there angst, frustration, conviction? Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in some relationships you have. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's in school. Maybe it's in your faith. And you know what God wants for you, but there's just this thing, and it's almost hard to identify, and it keeps pounding you, pounding you, pounding you. And listen, I don't need to stand up here and convince you that the battle's hard. We're all in it. We know that it can be a grind, that it can be grueling. We know that life almost seems unfair. So the question I would ask you is this. Who feels like they're fighting alone? Who feels like there are moments from total defeat and you have no one to call on? Who feels abandoned to fight by yourself? I've not been a pastor all that long, but long enough to know that's about 98% of us. So please hear this. Take heart. Because Moses took the staff up the hill. And that's the detail of the story that always stays the same. Because what has the staff been the representation of Exodus? It has been the symbol of God's judgment, of God's justice. It's how God has shown the world that the battle, the war, it's over before it even begins. But only if you know how to fight. Keep reading. Verse 11, how do we fight? Well, whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. 
Whenever he lowered his hands, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Ur held up his hands, one on one side, the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. So here's the scene. Israel, Amalek. Kingdom of God, kingdom of man, they're going at it on this battlefield. And Moses goes up on a hill. He's overlooking everything. And when he holds up the staff that God's been showing his justice through the whole time, kingdom of God prevails. Kingdom of man getting crushed. When he lowers his hand, kingdom of man prevails. Kingdom of God being defeated. And so what happens is Moses has to position himself in such a way that his hand can stay up for hours so that the kingdom of God can go forth. Okay, so again, different details. Same story for us. Think of the war that you're in right now. Think of the battle that's being fought in your life. Have you ever been able to gain victory on your own? Have you ever been able to white-knuckle it through sin? Have you ever been able to white-knuckle it and just grind through and gut through that so that you're no longer tempted by the kingdom of man? Have you ever been able to force yourself to be more holy and more humble and more generous, and more gracious, and more Christ-like? No, because you cannot rely on your own strength in this battle. Listen, by yourself, in the kingdom of God, you cannot fight alone. You cannot fight alone. When Israel tried, they got demolished. You need to be able to rely on God. I don't care what self-help book you're reading, I don't care what motivational podcast you start your morning with. You cannot live in the kingdom of God and fight the kingdom of man in your own strength. See, what we all need is the same thing. It's the same thing that Israel needed. What we need to prevail in the kingdom of God is the presence and the power of God. If you don't have presence, if you don't have power, then you don't stand a chance. I was actually in the thick of this battle uh, a couple months ago, uh, a couple weeks ago maybe, I was sitting here on a Wednesday morning, uh, nobody here by myself, and, and I could feel the kingdom of man just pressing up against me. And I was super angry. I was super frustrated. It was just like I was lit up. And I knew it was the kingdom of man coming against me because if you know me, I'm a pretty lighthearted guy. Like I like to goof, I like to joke around, but I was just steaming. And so what I thought was, okay, Kyle, you have the right to be angry in this situation. You have the right to be frustrated. People don't need forgiveness. People don't deserve, like, you just, you're the righteous one here, Kyle. So in your self-righteousness, you just sit and you gut through and you grind through, grind through and you get through. And next week, this will all be fine. So that was my plan of attack. You want to know how this battle ended for me? In the parking lot, there's that tree out in the corner. Sitting in my car underneath that tree broke down, started weeping. Just like uncontrollable cry, which again, that doesn't really happen to me. And in that moment where the kingdom of man was pinning me down to the ground, I picked up my phone, I called my wife. I said, Linz, I don't know why, but I am so angry. And you know what Lindsay did for me? She lifted up the presence and the power of God. 
And she covered me in prayer. She reminded me of scripture. She ministered to my soul. She gave me exactly what I needed in that moment. She offered me the only thing that would work. The presence and the power of God. And in that moment, it was crazy because as soon as we hung up the phone, almost like a snap, victory. The kingdom of God prevailed over the kingdom of man. Today, for those of us who are in the thick of war, who can feel the battle, and who feels like we're getting beat down right now, who feels like this marriage, there's, just, there's no way that this can be reconciled, that you're stuck in this relationship with a friend or with a boyfriend or with a girlfriend. You're like, this is just so messed up, and I don't see how God can work through this. For those of us whose faith is so dried up, and we're begging for God to do something, and it's just not happening, do you believe that you can have victory? Or is this just preacher talk? Like, is there hope for you in the battle today? Or is this just what pastors are supposed to say. Exodus 17, like all the Old Testament, it is a laser beam right to Jesus Christ. And there's not a more tangible expression than the power and the presence of God than that of Jesus Christ. See, the battle between the two kingdoms, we're always going to feel it. We're always going to feel the fight. But I'm telling you that in Jesus Christ, you know where the victory happens. You know how the story ends. Paul, the same guy who said your real battle is against powers and principalities, you know what he says about those same powers and principalities? He says this in the book of Colossians. He says, nailed to a cross, Christ disarmed the rulers and the authorities, and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them. In Christ, the kingdom of man cannot condemn you. In Christ, the kingdom of man cannot conquer you. In Christ, the kingdom of man cannot chain you down. In Christ, there is total victory. There is power and there is presence of God, and it's here for you. And the way that you can grasp and hold on to that power and that presence, the same way that it happened in Exodus 17, would you just lift up that hand and surrender and say, God, I need you to fight. Would you stop trying so hard? Would you stop being so stubborn and trying just to gut through it? No, if you would just surrender and if you look to Christ, the battle, you're going to feel it, but the victory, that's yours. If you'd come to Christ and say, your victory, that's my victory. I'm sick of getting pinned down by myself. I'm sick of trying to do this alone. I need your power. I need your presence. If you would come in that posture of surrender, and maybe surrender today looks different for all of us. For some of us, maybe it looks like confession. For some of us, it looks like repentance. For some, it looks like just resting. But if you would come you can know that the battle is won, that the kingdom of God, it will reign in your life forever, and that the kingdom of man has no claim on you. And then you can rest. Spirit just stirred me last night. I was 
trying to sleep, and I just kept getting woken up to pray. And I was praying for those of us who came today who are not believers. I, I, I praise God that he just draws a lot of unbelievers here on Sunday mornings. But my heart was just so heavy. Just praying like, aren't you tired of the kingdom of man? Aren't you tired of being beat down? Aren't you tired of just grinding and grueling with no hope? Aren't you exhausted by trying to do it by yourself? Like, what's holding you back this morning? We're all living in the same story, but you can have victory today. If you would come and you'd lay down your life with, to Christ, give your life to him, I can tell you how your story is going to end because it will end the same way for all of us. Worship. Let's go back to verse 14. The Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and write it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, the name of it, The Lord is my banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of God. So if we're all in the same story this morning, kingdom of God and the kingdom of man, and it's all vying for our hearts, vying for our attention, the question that matters that we need to ask is in that fight, in that battle, how do you remember that the victory is yours? Like, how are you going to get through it? I would say it this way. Stop swinging the sword and start singing a song. Israel, they just saw the kingdom of God prevail. They saw the power and the presence of God show up. They saw what surrender looks like. And then God shows up and he destroys the kingdom of man. And so what do they do? Memorialize it. They start worshiping. And in that moment of worship, they remember it by giving God one of the most comforting names we have of God in the Bible. The Lord is my banner. Now a banner... When armies would march into battle, they would have these big flags. That's the banner. And what Moses says is this banner, this is showing the troops who we fight for. This is showing the troops in whose authority we go in. This banner is showing the enemy who they got to deal with. And Moses says from this point forward, when you go out to war, Yahweh is your banner. He goes before you. He fights for you. His victory guarantees your victory. And when you know that, when you've seen him work in the wars in your life, it will lead to worship. It will lead to singing songs of praise. Drop the sword, sing a song. It changes everything. If you're here Friday night, we had this crazy night of worship. And in the moment, we're sitting in the circle, and we're surrounded, and everyone's screaming and chanting and hyped up. It was just this amazing moment. And I had this thought to myself, what brings people out on a Friday night to come to church and worship? It definitely ain't Christian karaoke. <laughs> Why are people here? Why is there hundreds of sinful, broken imperfect people in the same room because Yahweh is our banner 
because we've been fighting all week. And we've charged the hill in his authority, and now we have a song to sing. Maybe it only moved an inch, but the kingdom of God went forward a little bit this week. And so we come and we sing and we rejoice together. In Christ, our stories will end in worship. And I know, for some of us, this all sounds good. It sounds great. Power, presence, surrender, worship. But you're going to wake up on Monday morning, and the battle's going to be so real in your life. And the kingdom of man is going to come, and he's going to be looking for a fight. And you don't know if you can make it another week. Like, let's just be honest. You don't know if your faith can sustain one more week of this battle. If that's you on Monday morning, I would encourage you to say three words. God is good. If you would wake up and say, God is good, that puts you in a posture of worship for the rest of the day. And yeah, that battle's coming. Buckle up. It's going to be a war. But no, God is still good. And in this posture of worship, I will see his power. In this posture of worship, I will see his presence. I will stay in a posture of surrender. And I will keep declaring that God is good. That's the same story for all of us. It's what happened in Exodus 17. And what's happening for us right now. I would just ask this final question, and then we'll wrap up. If later this week, I was scrolling through Netflix again, and I came across a show that was about your life, and I clicked on it, what would that show be about? If I was watching your story, would I see the power in the presence of God? Would I watch stories of victory, of the kingdom of God triumphing over the kingdom of man? Would I see surrender? Would that show end with worship? And as the credits roll, it just says, the Lord is my banner? Or would I watch the show, would it be a tragedy? Would I watch the show of a person who's trying to do it by themselves? Where the kingdom of man is just pinning you down? And people are crying out, say, come, we'll help you, but you refuse. Would your life be marked not by worship of God, but by worship of self. And how would that movie end? Defeat? Right? Because the way the story ends, there's only two options. You will worship Christ, or you will be defeated. See, the beautiful thing is it doesn't really matter how you answer that question right now. The beautiful opportunity is we all have a chance to start rewriting the script. And so if you came here this morning... And, and you've never confessed Christ as Lord, and you've never pursued a relationship with him, you can start writing that script right now. And the rest of your show will be different forever, and it's going to end in worship. But there needs to be surrender. If you're here, maybe your script, it just needs a refresh, or a little reboot. And there needs to be some confession, some repentance for you as well but it's just holding back on to what God started writing your story a long time ago. And maybe for us, the story, the script, it's just continuing to write what God's already been doing in us. We have that opportunity today. And when you leave here in a half an hour, when you leave those, walk down the stairs, 
I'm telling you right now, Amalek's coming for you. The kingdom of man is coming for you. He's ready to fight. And the only decision you have to make is this. Am I going to charge the hill with the flag that says, the Lord is my banner? <laughs>